Welcome to The Real Python Podcast. This is episode 185. I want to thank you for joining us for the 2023 Real Python tutorial and video course wrap-up. Three members of the Real Python team are joining us this week: Kate Finnegan, Tappan Moore, and Philip Xeni. We wanted to share a year-end wrap-up with tutorials, step-by-step projects, code conversations, and video courses that showcase what our team created this year. Kate helps to shepherd articles through the multi-stage editing process. She and the rest of the team ensure that these resources impart crucial Python knowledge and provide a thorough didactic experience. Kate was also instrumental in helping introduce a new group of tutorial authors to the RealPython editorial process and house style. Philip returns to the podcast after our conversation earlier this year, and it was great to talk to him about onboarding new video instructors. Tappan edits all our video courses and ensures the sound, picture, and animations are just right. He also helped provide feedback to the new instructors on our video creation process. We hope you enjoy this review. We look forward to bringing you another year full of great guests, articles, and topics. All right, let's get started. The Real Python Podcast is a weekly conversation about using Python in the real world. My name is Christopher Bailey, your host. Each week, we feature interviews with experts in the community and discussions about the topics, articles, and courses found at realpython.com. After the podcast, join us and learn real-world Python skills with a community of experts at realpython.com. All right. Well, I want to welcome everybody to the 2023 RealPython tutorial and video course wrap-up. And we might actually mention several other things this year. I got several guests, a few that you may have met if you've been listening to the show for a little while. Kate Finnegan is back this year. Welcome, Kate. Hello. Thanks for having me. And Philip Ixini, he's been on the show a couple times. Welcome back, Philip. Hello, hello. Happy to be back. And new this year, somebody's been working in the background at RealPython for, well, as long as I've been at RealPython, uh, Tappan Moore, um, who does a lot of the video editing and helps uh, on the video course pipeline, works directly with me all the time. Hi, good to be here. All right. We uh, wanted to discuss a little bit about what happened this year for 2023 here at RealPython and some of the changes. That's one of the things we seem to discuss before we kind of get into highlighting some of the things that we want to wrap up this year with. One of the big things we did this year was try to bring on some new video course instructors. And Philip, you were really involved deeply with that this year. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? uh, Yes. That process? Yes, absolutely. Like for me, honestly, that was my highlight of the year that we onboarded a few new video course instructors. So namely this year uh, joined to give them all a shout out. I will talk a bit more about their content in a moment. But yeah, new pilots, new voices that you have heard were uh, Negar Vahid, Alexis Dracopoulos, Ariane D, Alexandra Davis, Kimberly Fessel, and Sebastian Oliver. Yeah, like I just said, it was was amazing to to have new voices in in the team yeah. with all of their own styles. Uh, and it was super, super fun working together with them and get their first uh, courses out. So... Yeah, I'm excited to see what they bring. It's always nice to bring in people that have kind of slightly different focuses and stuff they want to cover. And that I think that helps, if you will, the diversity of content <laughs> in ways. So absolutely. And and it's it's so interesting because at Real Python we we have our production pipeline and we have our way of doing things. And uh, yeah, if you're with Real Python for a while, you're kind of you you have the, the default way of doing things. And if you have new people joining in, you switch things up a little. And I think that is really important to do sometimes. So with everybody coming in now, yeah, we, we switched a few things up. They brought their own style, their own way of delivering things. And uh, so that was really fun to, yeah, go back and forth. So we learned from them, they learned from us. And in the end, uh, they had courses uh, out there, which are hopefully super valuable for everybody out there watching them. Yeah, cool. 
And Tapping You helped a lot with that, getting people on board and making sure that we got not only good video, but good audio, which is always the the trick, <laughs> I think, in these circumstances. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, glad to. It's good to have a variety of voices and get some new people in. Yeah. Yeah, and Tepan was was a great help with this. Uh, like also to to mention this because I mean everybody came with their own microphones, of course. And uh, one of the first things was to do a little rehearsal and get the audio in. And honestly, I had no idea. Like I listened to the sound. For me, it sounded good. But I always sent over the files to Tepan to be like, does it really sound good? So uh, that was great of a help to make everything sound good in the end. Just takes a certain ear to uh, to hear the the reverb, the noise, and yeah, takes some practice. Yeah, definitely. So along with that, we also made a, an outreach for new authors. So we brought on a whole bunch of new writers this year and kind of excited to talk a little bit about them. Kate, you want to discuss a little bit about that process? Yeah. So same thing that Philip was saying, you know, we have our way of doing things at RealPython. So there were a lot of discussions about making sure that it was a friendly onboarding process and that we made everything kind of straightforward, tried to cut out anything. We basically put everything on a need-to-know basis because (laughs) there's a lot to learn about our style. Yeah, And it can be very overwhelming to just get this humongous style guide and be told, okay, good luck. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just follow this. (laughs) Yeah, like be well on your quest. Mm Mm-hmm. So we talked about hand-holding in our tutorials, and it was fun to talk about how we could, you know, hold the the pilot author's hands as well and kind of bring our teaching lens into that side of things, like teaching our style and our processes and our peculiarities that we have found work for us, but might be very different from what the authors are used to. It's a great place to hone your craft and kind of learn the ins and outs of it. and Exactly. And get- tons of feedback on on your writing or in the case of the video instructions ways to become a better instructor yeah exactly so we welcomed quite a few pilot authors who hit the ground running and produced really incredible content across a diversity of subjects you know again to echo like bringing in people with different expertise and different interests is just fantastic so we welcomed ian air vincent matende harrison hoffman robert alford Claudia Ng and Sarah Hack this year. Yeah, that's great. Such a great batch. It's nice to see these new profiles and see some some new uh, talent hit the real Python front page there. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to do a quick shout out also to uh, our our artist in residence, <laughs> Aldrin. He does so much of the work there that you see. It's engaging and colorful and interesting. And he had a, a very great year of, of artwork out there. I don't know if you guys wanted to say something else about that. Yes, please. Like f- for me, like it was super important that we mentioned uh, Aurin as well, because I mean, often that's the first thing that readers see is the artwork at the top of our tutorials. And there were like every tutorial uh, that we published, Aldrin read basically he had to read it to create the art <laughs> yeah, figure out what he wanted to put in there yeah so he probably knows knows more about everything than anybody else and uh, it's so great to to have a designer and artist at hand who creates unique artwork for every tutorial and i think that's something very special about real python that that is not just like a generic piece of like technical illustrations but Every artwork is handcrafted by him. And uh, so that's that's really amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had someone ask, like, what program do you use? <laughs> and the response was, it's not a program. It's an incredibly talented, hardworking person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He makes such neat and iconic looking artwork. And I, mm-hmm. I remember when I joined the team a bunch of years ago, I was like, oh, what is this? It's so it's so unique. I like it. Yeah. I love that. Big props. Yeah, he s- sent over uh, a couple time lapse of doing the work. The details that go into it was pretty pretty amazing to watch. So brought everybody together to kind of highlight a bunch of work this year. This is not everything that came out, but we wanted to just say hey, these are some of the favorite things that that we wanted to showcase and make people aware of this year. So Philip, do you want to go first here? Yes, uh, thank you. So yeah, the the first tutorial that I brought into the show is build a Wordle clone in Python with Rich, which is by Gerarde. So some of the 
listeners uh, know this name by now because he, he, he pops up basically in every episode here or there, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely for everything, for the uh, the new versions of Python, Python 3.12, that episode this year again. Yeah, he, he wrote a wonderful step-by-step -step tutorial where you build your own Wordle clone for the terminal. I know Wordle is not so much uh, 23, I think it's more like 21 or 22, yeah. uh, but still it's a, it's a fun tutorial. And for the younger listeners, Wordle is a game where you have six attempts where you can guess a secret five-letter word. And after each guess, you'll get feedback about which letters are correctly placed, which are misplaced, and which are wrong. So that's a, that's a neat little uh, game that you built in a terminal. Yeah, it's, it's not just fun to, to follow this uh, tutorial and learn a bit about Rich, with which you can create colorful and stylish text-based user interfaces. It's also nice because with every step in the tutorial, you have a little working program and you improve it over and over again in the spirit of our step-by-step -step tutorials uh, that at the end of the step, you have something that uh, works, which is cool. And in the end, you have a really nice looking terminal game. Yeah, it's kind of a fun one that you can definitely share with other people, which is always nice to do with all the you know kinds of projects that you can create. It's a little more advanced than, say, a really simple game that actually requires a little bit of thinking into it. And you can put your own word list into it. He shows you how to do that, which is really neat. Just as a note, there's a, a video course based on this one that is by Darren Jones. So that's something else you can check into if you are on the video side. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Rich <laughs> coming up because it definitely is something that is a, a Python library that is uh, very popular right now and uh, something that we have another feature I want to talk about it. Thanks, Philip. My first one is actually a pair of things. I'm cheating. Uh, I'm the host. I get to do this. Uh, <laughs> so this is a pair of tutorials that are by Leodana Sposo Ramos, who we feature often. This first came out in April, April 26th. And the first one was called Python Classes, The Power of Object-Oriented Programming. And the second article or tutorial was published on May 1st. So kind of back to back. And that one is Solid Principles, Improve Object-Oriented Design in Python. Laidon has joined us last year for the wrap-up, along with Kate and Gerarna. And this year, he created another wonderful set of tutorials and has been very, very busy, as usual. I decided to group these two together because I feel like they go together and they're intended for intermediate developers, uh, somebody who has at least the basics of object-oriented programming in Python. Uh, we have resources for that if you need it, but this definitely takes you to the next level of that and can really dig you into the idea of not only really what's happening with classes and how they function in that first article and in the second one, it's really diving much deeper into design principles. And those work across any object-oriented programming language, but obviously can work inside of Python also. I won't go too deep into them, but highlights the Python classes one, it, it first starts up like why, <laughs> which I love, uh, you know, benefits of using classes in Python and maybe why or where not to use them, how to attach data classes, so class versus instant attributes, uh, methods, instant methods, versus in how to use self protocols. If you've seen things like the at symbol class method or at symbol static method, what's happening with those, getter and setter methods versus properties. Definitely a great article if you're coming from a different language and need to get an idea of what's happening with OOP inside of Python. He then digs into examples of like how to use them and how the standard library actually uses these different techniques. The second article is more about OOP advice and much more on object-oriented design, if you will, and covers this thing called the solid principles. If you're not familiar with them, it's a an acronym built upon these principles that have been around programming for a long time, and he discusses how they apply inside of Python. The first is the single responsibility principle. The second is the open-closed principle. The third is the Liskov substitution principle. And the fourth is the interface segregation principle. And the fifth is the dependency inversion principle. So if you're kind of scratching your head at that and wondering about it, this is the place to go check it out and dive much deeper into it. There is a companion set of video courses that Christopher Trudeau and I worked out together to figure out a way to convert actually both of these 
tutorials into, it's in this case, three different video courses, but they're sort of linked together and covers those pieces in, in detail. So if you're interested in the video side of that, that's available too. But uh, thanks, Laodonis. I really enjoyed that series. So I think that takes us to Kate. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm highlighting a tutorial by Ian Eyre. It's a written tutorial called Using the NumPy Random Number Generator. Ian Eyre has been incredibly prolific. He started with us back in June. And since then, he has published four more tutorials after this one with another on the way in January. So he is, again, very prolific. His bio on RealPython notes, it's all about his teaching. You know, he's a really passionate teacher who loves to share his knowledge. And he's definitely doing that in spades at RealPython. In this intermediate tutorial, Ian does something, you know, he acknowledges that it's really tough to generate true randomness on a computer, but NumPy is great for generating pseudo-randomness. And you can randomize all kinds of things from numbers and integers and floats all the way to arrays, NumPy arrays. And Ian goes into detail about different ways to randomize existing arrays. That includes randomly selecting elements or even reordering the structure of an array. He does a really good job of grounding all of this information in a real-world example. And the real-world example that he chooses is, say that you're on a school board and you want to improve the safety of pick up and drop off in the crosswalks. So you need to figure out, you know, what's the probability of this many cars going through in a minute? Okay. And so he actually walks you through like how you can use NumPy's random number generator to solve that problem. So it's it's a really great theoretical tutorial as well as a very practical application. And Chris, I think you have a practical, <laughs> not so <laughs> not so great yeah. application of this. <laughs> Well, what's kind of interesting is uh, this news kind of came out late in the year uh, after his article. Maybe Ian would have mentioned it. Um, <laughs> but an article, and I had seen this kind of talked about, that the uh, crypto firm FTX, maybe people are familiar with it, used some Python code to do a little bit of shady stuff with randomness. Um, they actually used the, the NumPy random module to actually say that they were securing a certain amount of funds as insurance, um, but it was mostly a random generation of (laughs) numbers to indicate what was happening there. So it was kind of funny. They actually showed the code in the trial. And so it was like, I I know that people that actually worked on it, (laughs) like said something on Twitter, like, oh, yeah, I created that. (laughs) So it was kind of interesting in the Python community. (laughs) Python on trial. <laughs> exactly. It's not Python's fault if you use it wrong. No, it's not Python's. <laughs> <laughs> or NumPy's fault either. Right. So, yeah, it's just I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> All right. So, Tappan, what's your first one? Yes, sir. My first course is An Introduction to Recursion by Christopher Trudeau, your co-host. Yeah, yeah. And it's... A, it's an intermediate course, I believe, based on an article by John Sturtz, if I'm correct. Yeah. And recursion is a function that calls itself, and which is what a fun idea. <laughs> so things like factorials and Fibonacci are usually done with recursion, and fractals and other... And speaking of which, he Christopher talks about how you can use recursion in factorials to determine your chances of winning the lottery. <laughs> That's a neat use case. Uh, low. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't think I'm uh, spoiling anything for them. <laughs> he shows how to traverse tree structures this way too, and that's Christopher's most common use case for it. And uh, how the stack works and talks about exit conditions. And he points out that anything that can be achieved with looping can be done with recursion and vice versa. And, of course, that's a trade-off of memory and speed and reliability. He demonstrates how to do quicksort with recursion instead of looping and finding a pivot point and recursing and so on. I liked this course because it's such a a neat novel idea, at least first time I heard it, and always with jokes along the way with Trudeau. (laughs) 
Huh, no way. <laughs> I can't believe yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, he usually has some uh, thematic elements that usually involve pop culture in some way or another. <laughs> yep. All right. I think it's back to you, Philip. What's, uh, what's your next one? Yeah, my next content piece that I want to highlight is filtering iterables with Python is a video course uh, by Negara Wahid. So if this name rings a bell, I mentioned her before. She was one of the pilot instructors. Uh, she's a machine learning engineer and lives in Istanbul in Turkey. Yeah, in her video course, you learn how you can use Python's filter function in your code to extract the needed values from iterables. You also combine filter with other functional tools and then investigate how to replace filter with other tools like list comprehensions or generators. The tutorial is aimed at intermediate uh, Python developers, but I think Negar does a great job explaining everything from the ground up. So you'll definitely gain something from watching this course, even if you're just starting out with Python. What I personally really liked about this video course is that you don't notice that it's Negar's first video course for real Python. Yeah which actually holds true for all of the pilot instructors we, we mentioned earlier, which I'm super happy that the quality of the courses that you all put out there is uh, phenomenal. So yeah, and this one here is kind of like the example of a pilot instructor video course. So yeah, thanks again, Negar. All right. My next one is a video course also, and this is uh, by a pilot, Kimberly Fessel. Um, Kimberly was actually somebody I had on the show back in episode 12, very early on. I saw that she was doing a talk on web scraping, and it was like a tutorial at PyCon. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great to have her come talk about that stuff on the show? And so we discussed uh, tools and techniques for web scraping. And there was uh, some interesting cases happening as far as the, the law and what can you web scrape or not web scrape at the time. So we have a nice discussion about that. So take us back a little while there to episode 12. We brought her on board to do a, a pair of video courses. The first one she did was about K-nearest neighbors. So if, if you're interested in data science and want to dig into that, and this one is about a tool called Folium. The title is Creating Web Maps from Your Data with Python Folium. Um, came out in July. And the video course is based upon core team member Martin Broyce's uh, and previous guest uh, from our 2021 year-end wrap-up. <laughs> Martin Broyce created a written tutorial about this, kind of a step-by-step, -step, I guess, project in this case. And it's intended for intermediate developers, but I feel like as long as you have a, some fundamental background of working with pandas and a little bit about data frames, in this case, she uses Jupyter Notebooks, um, though it's not required. But if you're interested in adding cartography um, to your Python project, or if you do data visualizations, this is a great place to dig in a little bit further about this. Uh, the added bonus is that they're interactive, which I think is a really nice feature of Folium. Again, it digs deep into this library. Uh, if you haven't heard of it before, it's based around a JavaScript library called Leaflet, and it allows you to create interactive geographic visualizations that you can share as a website, which is really neat. Um, it can literally output a, a single HTML file that you could either statically host or in the case of a notebook, you can just include in some cells inside of a notebook. And can really take you through the fundamentals of working with the different components, not only getting it you set up, but also uh, all the different sort of interactive elements, the boundaries, uh, labeling, adding different sort of icons on your maps, and how all those sort of interactive elements work. There's this uh, idea of map tiles that you can kind of choose what you want your map to kind of look like. There's some fundamental stuff from OpenStreetMap in there, and then you can also switch out those base maps if you like. There's a little bit of information about GeoJSON and layering things with that information. At the end, you make a Choropleth map. I always wonder if I'm pronouncing that properly. But a Choropleth is a kind of a color-coded map uh, that indicates... In this case, you're, I'm trying to remember what the map in the end shows. Like um, a carbon footprint? Yeah, carbon footprints per for capita? the different, uh, yeah, per capita, yeah. So you can kind of see ecologically what different nations are doing or not doing <laughs> on that. So you get access to the Jupyter Notebook at the end of it. And just a note, as you probably have heard me mention many a time on a video course spotlight, you do get all 
these uh, resources when you check out our video courses that you can download and follow along with, or you can just build it as you go along as you work through the course. I really like the step-by-step tutorial by Martin. I think I featured it on another episode, and I found that this video course did a really great job of in keeping it just as engaging. And thanks, Kimberly. This week, I want to shine a spotlight on another RealPython video course. It's a video course that Tappan was featuring earlier in the episode. The course is titled Recursion in Python, and it's based on a RealPython tutorial by John Sturtz. In the course, RealPython instructor and my frequent co-host, Christopher Trudeau, takes you through what it means for a function to call itself recursively, when recursion might be your best bet for solving a problem, how you can implement recursion for various use cases in Python. Along the way, you'll study specific programming tasks where you can use recursion in Python, such as how to implement tree traversal or the quicksort algorithm. And you'll also explore alternatives to recursion. It may seem peculiar for a function to call itself, but many types of programming problems are best expressed recursively. When you bump up against such a problem, recursion is an indispensable tool for you to have in your toolkit. Like most of the video courses on RealPython, the course is broken into easily consumable sections, and where needed, include code examples for the technique shown. All RealPython courses have a transcript, including closed captions. Check out the video course. You can find a link in the show notes, or you can find it using the search tool on realpython.com. Back to Kate. What's your second one? Yeah, so I want to talk about Python Basics Exercises, Building Systems with Classes by Martin Broyce, who was just mentioned. And this video course is for beginners. It's part of our Python Basics Learning Path, which is based on you know, our book of the same name. And it's really a cool learning path because it takes you from the very beginning. Like, let's install yeah. Python on your computer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you just work through the courses and you you end up being able to do so many things. And in this case, this exercises course is a companion to a more instructional course by Ian Curry. So Ian Curry teaches about doing composition and inheritance with classes to create these systems that can often model real-world systems. So you learn about those concepts from Ian, and then in this course, you get to actually do some review exercises and then complete a multi-step challenge that models a real-world farm. And (laughs) it really gets down in the dirt of farm (laughs) life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like you, um, you create all these different animals and you, you know, let them talk with their different sounds and you feed them and empty their bellies and, you know, you, you let them do all their, their animal things and you accomplish all of it with Python classes and inheriting from parent classes, overriding methods and attributes from parent classes. So you really get to learn like the richness of what you can accomplish with object-oriented programming in Python. What I really like about this course There's so much I like about this course, but it also really highlights the creative aspect of programming. In particular, like a unique thing about this course is that one of the first steps is Martin actually has you draw out your farm, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like pen and paper. um, And you get to see his drawings as well to, to get that sense of how, yeah, like programming is a language and it can feel like a science at times, but it's also extremely creative and artistic and allows you to come up with these ideas on paper and then translate them into something that moves and lives and that you can shape and iterate on and then pass on to others to use with their own machines. So I just think that's extremely cool. You learn about building systems with classes in this course, but In all of the Python Basics Exercises courses, you also get to learn more generally how to solve a programming challenge. Right. Um, So you learn all the steps, like breaking it into small pieces, um, testing the code, looking for bugs, 
So it's just a really rich experience. It's been a, a really kind of fantastic exercise for us to do this year. Sorry to reuse yeah. the word exercises, but <laughs> it, it, it's been a goal that we had not only to finish all of the Python basics courses about, mm-hmm. you know, the different chapters that are in it to kind of complete this learning path, which is been a lot of work. Thanks, Philip and, <laughs> and Kate <laughs> for all your work on these things. Um, but we've been working on that. And then Martin had this idea of there are little questions and exercises that are sort of set aside in the book. And very often in a video course, it doesn't always fit to, to do it. So we decided to make a separate type of course that where you can say, oh, I want to just practice this stuff and get down in it. And so it doesn't it provides you the opportunity to solve it on your own mm-hmm. um if you're struggling with that you can then just move to the next video and follow along in that and like you said there's lots of uh, troubleshooting and other things to kind of watch out for as you go along and i, I think it's a, a a really great way to go the feedback has been i think really fantastic especially on this course yeah i just saw some feedback recently about uh, how people really enjoyed uh creating stuff along with it so if you are a Python beginner and want a way to kind of go through it, this uh, learning path, I think is a, a really great resource. And thanks again, everybody, for helping out creating all the uh, basics and basics exercises. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also, I just want to say a couple more things about Martin. He's he's really a creative force at Real Python for finding ways to sort of deepen the learning experience and give readers different readers and viewers different ways of testing their knowledge. So like these exercises courses are a big one. And then he's also been hugely instrumental in 2023 in building out our quiz offerings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out to that. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and all the Python Basics courses also have quizzes so you can test your understanding through the exercises courses and also through quizzes. Yeah, and I think that's such a great way of flipping like the how you consume uh, content a little bit because often with, with our courses or the tutorials you can just like read along and watch along and maybe you didn't learn as much as you as you hoped you do, but uh, with the exercises you can basically stop the video course, try to solve the exercise yourself and then get a real impression how the instructors uh, solve this exercise and also, spoiler, uh, it's not linear uh, like uh, most video courses where we, we kind of follow an outline, but it's also with, yeah, oh, wait a second, I introduced a bug here. Let's let's fix this bug together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also with the drawing that you mentioned uh, about Martin's course, like he like scratches things out and was like, okay, I think this idea I had there wasn't the best one. And that's that's a much more real experience with this. And with the quizzes, it's the same way. Like it's, it's a great way of seeing like, did you really understand what you were reading or watching and uh, it's it's cool like it's it's a fun new element that we introduced there yeah yeah right you never you never know how much you learned until you put it to use yeah uh, i like that about <laughs> exactly the, yeah. the pbx courses as well as quizzes yeah yeah the interesting thing too is you, you're not having to learn lots of other additional stuff that's outside of python you're using what comes with python the the built-in repl yeah and those tools that come when you install python and literally the first chapter of the book is or second chapter i think is you know setting all that stuff up and getting mm-hmm. to work with it and uh and there's a lot of help you know on every platform to get going so there's not a lot of other stuff you need to bring with it it's really just learning how to use python yeah another thing i just want to mention about the exercises courses is it can also be really cool to see where the instructor has solved a challenge in a way that's different from how you solved it. Yeah. And you can see like, True. oh, there are different ways to get from point A to point B. And there's always the invitation to, you know, share your solution in the comments, especially if it differs from what the instructor is presenting. Yeah. So again, looking at like the creativity and flexibility inherent in programming. Cool. All right, Tappan, you ready to hit your next one? Sure, yeah. My second course is How to Process Images Using the Pillow Library by Darren Jones. And it is rated as intermediate and is based on an article by Stephen Grappetta. And Pillow is a fork of the Pill, uh, which is Python Imaging Library, which was discontinued 12 years ago. But uh, so now Pillow is the friendly modern version. And it allows you to 
do sort of Photoshop-ish manipulations of photos, broad-level manipulations like Photoshop or GIMP. And it's not... There are more granular libraries that do similar things, to do more detailed stuff, but they're sort of more difficult to learn. This has a shallower learning curve. Yeah. And Darren teaches how to install Pillow, shows examples of how to crop down a photo and resize it and rotate it and blur and talks about properties and operations and transposing images and how to deal with bands of color in an RGB image how to change to grayscale using alpha channels. He even shows how to do a basic animation using NumPy. Yeah. And, uh, and he does a bunch more too, like adjusting silhouettes and masks with erosion and dilation and thresholding in order to drop one image onto another. I thought it was pretty impressive stuff. Like, uh, It's uh, such a satisfying thing to be able to do with just some text programming and you modify this whole image yeah i like what steven did originally in in there and i think i featured it as a as something on the podcast as a as the written tutorial yeah and uh definitely darren does a great job of bringing these things to life as a video course also and uh this one's kind of fun because it's very visual definitely there's lots of images included that you get to play with and kind of manipulate and uh lots of different areas that i wasn't expecting it to go <laughs> so <laughs> right so, Philip, what, uh, what do you got next? Yes, speaking of ways where we weren't expecting, where do you go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, uh, the next one I want to bring to the table is in how-to guides. And how-to guides, I think we introduced in 2022, where we kind of tried to give a straightforward answer to, to a question. And this tutorial is no exception to this try at least. So the title is How to Sort Unicode Strings Alphabetically in Python. It's from uh, Bartosz Zaczynski. And I think it's a very innocent sounding title. Like, how do you sort <laughs> Unicode strings in, in Python alphabetically? Uh, just a couple of paragraphs, right? <laughs> <laughs> but on the little scroll bar on the right, you see uh, there there is way, way more uh, to this question. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, Bartosz does a great job of uh, unraveling why sorting strings can become surprisingly tricky. So yeah, I mean, one example is uh, if you, for example, have the string player 2 and player 10, and if you sort them with Python's sorted function, player 10 comes before player 2 because the substring 10 comes before 2. And that kind of contradicts how you'd order the strings intuitively. And it can get way more complicated than that. So, for example, everybody who has a name with letters outside of the ASCII range or non-Latin characters probably can testify to that. Like if you try to sort strings that are not the basic uh, ASCII range, things really get tricky, which uh, character comes before the other character. And Bartosz shows ways of how you can order those strings in a way how you'd expect them to do. Because, uh, yeah, what Python does out of the box might not satisfy you. So, yeah, definitely give this tutorial a read if you want to deep dive uh, into the ins and outs of Unicode and the quirks of Python and why things are the way they are. And yeah, it's a long tutorial, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I love those deep dives by Bartosz. He does such a great job on that. There's been a handful of them this year that were really fun. Uh, another one that I want to shout out is the, the maze tutorial, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so not only how to how sort of generate mazes, but how to solve them. And it, yeah, there's uh, a lot of depth there. Cool. Well, my next one is fairly recent. It is a showcase, which maybe we could talk about that briefly. I don't know when we started doing showcases or if that's something that's been ongoing for a while, but... Uh, Was that also 2022? Maybe, maybe two years. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, the The premise of a showcase is to show off a particular library or framework or what have you and kind of give people not only introduction to some of the methods and things that it can do inside of it, but then also give you a little bit of a taste of like how you would apply it and, and kind of see some code in action. Um, I feel like that is a general idea of it. Uh, this came out uh, November 27th, and it's by Charles DeVier. 
he's been writing for us for about two years now. Uh, he's a physics and math teacher who spends a lot of time playing online chess. Intended audience, again, is kind of intermediate, but I don't feel like there's a any kind of barrier entry to checking this library out. It's I think it's for anybody who's interested in making your projects look good <laughs> or pretty. It's about the package rich called the Python rich package, unleash the power of console text. And rich is a package that can help you create what is being commonly called a TUI or a text-based user interface. It can also prettify your console output with color formatting, just general text design and layout features, things like that. It's a library that was created by Will McGugan, who I had on the show back in episode 80. At the time, we were talking about what he his sort of next level thing, which is going on beyond Rich, which is his new actual company he has formed called Textual, which takes it into much more of a complete framework for creating TUIs. And Charles Showcase digs into how to install Rich. Not only that, but also like using Rich during development. So things like syntax highlighting, uh, how it can allow you to inspect objects. There's a, a a special console class, which allows you to define like a window output type. There's a whole subset of tools for animation, things like doing progress bars. Something I didn't know, uh, having not seen it yet, is uh, how it works with tables uh, and tables of data, which is actually really cool. This showcases some of that. And they're not only static, you can have them be animated also and be scrolling. And so that's the kind of project you get to at the end of it, which is really kind of a fun thing. Uh, I think it's a great resource for getting started with Rich. Uh, should be a video course coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I know Darren's working on one uh, uh, based on this particular showcase. But yeah, again, we mentioned Rich earlier uh, when we were talking about the Wordle clone. But it's a, a great package out there. Again, uh, if you want to make something that it looks a little bit beyond the standard console output, you can do quite a bit with this uh, very simple import package there. Yeah, and I encourage everyone, like, click click the link in the show notes and just scroll over this tutorial because there are a bunch of videos and yeah. images in this tutorial where you can really see how cool Rich can look. Uh, so it's a very visual tutorial. And yep. uh, in case you want to build something for the terminal in Python, Rich is kind of the package to make it good looking and uh, make your users go wow. So yeah, exactly. I think it's worth, <laughs> worth looking over it. <laughs> It's been a nice thing, too, that we've been able to do more and more, you know, on the site is include uh, sort of videos of text and stuff happening and animation and, and so forth within the written tutorials. And so that's uh, been definitely something we've been including more and more of uh, across the board, which uh, definitely in the case of a package like this, this you know, sells the <laughs> idea. <laughs> so, Kate, what do you got? Yeah, so my next written tutorial is by another pilot author who has now con contributed regularly to RealPython over the past few months. And that's Harrison Hoffman, a data scientist based in Texas. And this tutorial is called Embeddings and Vector Databases with Chroma DB. Again, I feel like maybe it's just my level of knowledge of this topic, but when I read that title, I did not know what I was in for. <laughs> this is such a fascinating tutorial. Like the, the sorting Unicode strings, you get to learn a lot about Python, but you also get to learn a lot about how languages work. So it's, it's really cool at like blending kind of natural languages and, uh, and how we work with those in programming languages. So yeah, this is about ChromaDB, which is an open source vector database. And if you're wondering, what is that and what can I use it for? The answer is really cool stuff. It lets you store encoded unstructured objects, namely text, as lists of numbers that you can compare to each other. This comes in handy when you're working with large language models like ChatGPT. Because if you've worked with ChatGPT, you've probably been frustrated when you run into the token limit. And ChatGPT, of course, is trained on lots of public data. Yeah. But what if you want to use that same kind of technology to, you know, study your private company data? 
and look for patterns within that data. For example, maybe you run a car dealership and you want to feed in all of the reviews of your car dealership and, you know, find the the most common negative bits of feedback so that you can make that your plan for improvement in 2024. That can be hard to do by hand. A large language model could help, but you're very quickly going to run into that token limit. ChromaDB allows you to feed all of that text in. You know, it creates a, a vector array of numbers and allows you to encode the semantic meaning of not just individual words, but of like long blocks of text. It's a bit hard to explain without actually showing you. Yeah, this is a detailed topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But another, just going back to how we use visuals in our tutorials, um, you know, Harrison's tutorial also has some really useful visuals that show you how like, you know, you can get to understand these semantic encodings by looking at a two-dimensional um, scatter plot. Yeah, yeah. And then you can see like, oh, car, van, and truck, those are all clustered together cat, dog, and lion clustered together. And that can help you kind of wrap your head around it and also start to think like, wow, how how would this work for anything more complex than single words? And ChromaDB is, is a really useful tool that can help you untangle the complexities of language and get really useful analysis of that language and its patterns from, for example, ChatGPT. Yeah, he has a whole section on like connecting it to uh, an LM um, service. So uh, lots of code there for you to kind of practice with. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, and you work with a data set of over 200,000 reviews and ratings of 62 major car brands in this tutorial. Just to give you a sense of the scale of data that yeah. ChromaDB allows you to start to look for patterns in. So it's sort of like a, I don't know, it's a sentiment analysis, is that they call it? Yeah. Kind of, yeah, okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Tappan, what do you got? What's your last one? Sure. My last one is uh, Code Conversation by our very own Philip Axani. And hey! get on a yell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The man himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. Uh, so, and this one is on Advent of Code. And so it's a twist on the traditional Advent calendar, which is one of those holiday calendar things where you... It's got a couple dozen little doors, and you open one each day, uh, mostly in December, and it reveals something behind it. Get your treats! But <laughs> exactly, exactly. I would also love to add that Tappan is wearing a Santa Claus hat right now, so this is all yeah, very sorry. themed. I'm sorry <laughs> that the listeners can't see that. <laughs> exactly. I know. On brand. Uh, anyway, this, uh, this calendar has a programming challenge or two behind each door instead of little chocolates and stuff. And it's it's a website of these challenges being reviewed, uh, made by Eric Wastel. Each task has a whole backstory and earns you star fruit and builds up. And of course, the backstory is that you help save Christmas. And Philip and Gaetana do a great job of of showing how fun that can saving be. Saving Christmas. <laughs> of saving Christmas. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, it's so good that Christmas is happening this year. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Uh, so for this Coco, the, the guys focused on day six, just one of the challenges, which is about helping the elves tune their communication system by finding the start of a packet and a string of data, and which is indicated by a set of four unique characters that are all different. And so you've got to parse through this and write a script that finds that that packet and you help the elves and you get your star fruit and and you do save Christmas. Good job. Uh, I uh, I like this format. I like Cocos because they're so, they're they feel different and experimental and um, more casual. Yeah, and it's 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 also a different way of recording. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to do more of them. Yeah, right. So so that that was a, was a fun one and. Uh, I mean, you have to imagine since we're a remote team, so we're not at the same place when we're recording, and it's usually like two persons. So we we are on a, on a Zoom call, and we both have to record our audio, and the person who shows the screen has to record the screen, and then it's Tappan's work of <laughs> of uh, merging it uh, together in the end. Right, um, and that that really makes makes the code conversations 
way more experimental um, in, in recording than our other video courses. Because other, uh, also, we don't have it scripted that much. We know kind of where we want to end up, but it's, it's always a, a little adventure as well to see where we go together. And uh, this one was, was really fun. And I mean, if you listen to this, probably the holidays are uh, over, but you can do those uh, little, uh, I don't know, code quizzes the whole year. And it's a great way of honing your Python skills or any programming language uh, because yeah. it's just like a programming puzzle right. that you can solve. It's not unique to Python. That was neat. Yeah. And I, I appreciated, well, Advent of Code in general in that it it's gives a prompt, uh, a challenge. It would give me a reason to learn new things. And yeah. for those of us who sort of need a, a use case to nudge us to learn, I'm one of those. <laughs> yep. Plus you get stars. Yeah. <laughs> Star fruit. <laughs> Gotta get your stars. No, I, I love the, the idea of challenges. Uh, I think that it, not only does it introduce lots of different ideas, like in this case, uh, I was intrigued by the, the sort of topics that you're learning, the, the idea of, you know, like learning sort of string encodings and like figuring out that. And then these techniques that you don't use every day, you get to kind of practice and like, okay, well, let me yeah. dig into my my toolbox of Python techniques and or, or potentially open up a bunch of new ones as you go. I know that our forums and stuff like that, uh, there's people kind of discussing them every year. And so there's, there's a lot of... Uh, stuff happening around it. So definitely an area to check out. And, and Garana wrote a, an excellent tutorial two years ago. We kind of talked about it a little bit on the show also. Well, I, I want to thank everybody for coming on the show. It was really fun to share all of this real Python goodness from across the year. A lot of video courses that we kind of featured this year, and most of those have written tutorials that go along with it. So please check all that stuff out. Please check out our show notes if you aren't in the habit of doing it, there's tons of links and resources there for you to dig into. And so thanks, Tappen, for your first appearance here on the Real Python podcast. Thank you. This was great. And thanks, Kate, for coming back on the show. It was really great to talk to you again. Yeah, always a pleasure. And Philip, I know I'm going to talk to you more. Um, <laughs> it's been fun having <laughs> you as a multiple-time guest. So uh, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks again for having me, that you're still inviting me after. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, and uh, Happy New Year, and we'll see what uh, we get to create here in 2024. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I want to thank my guests this week, Philip Xeni, Tappan Moore, and Kate Finnegan. Thanks for coming on the show. And I want to thank you for listening to the Real Python podcast. Make sure that you click that follow button in your podcast player. And if you see a subscribe button somewhere, remember that the Real Python podcast is free. If you like the show, please leave us a review. You can find show notes with links to all the topics we spoke about inside your podcast player or at realpython.com slash podcast. And while you're there, you can leave us a question or a topic idea. I've been your host, Christopher Bailey, and I look forward to talking to you soon.